0: So before I actually read the scripture, I want to give you a little bit of context. So Elijah is amid a bunch of other prophets, we would call them false prophets, who were prophets of the god Baal. Queen Jezebel followed the god Baal. And so these prophets enjoyed the power of privilege of of knowing that the ruler around them, the powerful ruler, was also following their God. And Elijah had other prophets around him too, but they were in sort of the power minority. And these prophets of Baal end up killing God's prophets. And finally, Elijah said, this is enough. Um, And he proposes a contest to see whose God has more power and whose prophets were real. So he tells all the prophets of Baal, it's somewhere around 800, um, build an altar to your God, over here. And I'll go over here by myself and build a prophet to God. Uh, uh, Sorry, excuse me, an altar to God. And so they do their building projects, and then Elijah says, okay, pray to Baal and burn down your altar. So the prophets of Baal dance and sing and pray, and nothing happens. And so then Elijah asks God to burn his altar, And God shows up, and it immediately bursts into flames. So it was an exciting day, and the people of Israel were really impressed with Elijah. And he took it a bit too far. I think the NFL refs would charge him with excessive celebration (laughs) because he kills all the prophets of Baal. (laughs) So Queen Jezebel gets really angry with Elijah for killing all her prophets. And she threatens him and says, I'm going to do to you what you did to the prophets of Baal. And in one of those verses of scripture that's very understated, it says, Elijah was afraid. (laughs) (laughs) So he ran in fear, which I think was a good reaction. (laughs) Um, And that's where our story starts today. A reading from 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 9 through 18. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and now they're seeking my life to take it away. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over Aram. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel-Mehalah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet, I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, And every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of God. God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, let us come to you this morning open to being surprised. Quiet our agendas. Clear any cobwebs from our ears. Penetrate the corners of our hearts with your word. Amen. I have always loved fall. It's always been my favorite season. And in New England, it's coming. And you know it's coming because the air gets a little crisp, unlike here. (laughs) And the leaves start to change colors and fall. It's a really exciting time. And here we have to sort of look for different signs of fall. You know, you walk into Office Max and there's piles of back-to-school items. Or you get the tax-free weekend to shop. Or some of us yesterday, how many people went to Parker Lane to help the kids there? Good number of you. That was so much fun, watching those kids light up when they got their new backpacks. Wonderful signs of fall and the shift in the schedule. And it is a time no matter who you are, when things are going to shift dramatically. Whether you're a teacher or a student, in front of you you have the promise of very full days, even fuller afternoons, and nights of homework and planning. You may be a parent, a lucky parent, who anticipates a little more freedom during the day from those summers where there were no schedules, but your evenings are going to be pretty busy overseeing that homework, too. Maybe you're somebody who's watching from the outside, but you're realizing the morning traffic is getting worse and worse and will continue to. You're realizing that you need to watch for children and youth walking and biking to school and crossing streets in front of you. Whatever position you're in, I think you can feel that shift that's about to come. And our scripture today, Elijah is feeling a shift in his schedule that's about to come too. He knew he'd angered the wrong person. He was on the run. He didn't know where to go to hide from her. And there's one point in this section that we didn't read where he he just sort of sits down and prays that God will take his life. He's done. He's done. But God wasn't quite done with Elijah. He sent him, first he fed him and and hydrated him and then sent him on a journey for 40 days into the wilderness. And that's where Elijah finds himself resting in this cave. And as soon as he enters the cave, God seems to have a different idea about what should happen. And God speaks to him and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And this is one of those places in scripture where I wish we had an audio recording. I'd love to see how God asked that question because it could be interpreted different different ways. Elijah, what are you doing here? Or Elijah, what are you doing here? Or Elijah, what are you doing here? There There are many different ways you could read that question. And what's funny is that Elijah doesn't seem to read it or hear it at all because his answer is so strange. God, I've been working down here. Haven't you seen me? I'm your biggest fan, your biggest cheerleader. The Israelites, they're messing up all over again. They're tearing down your altars. They've forgotten all their promises to you. They've killed your prophets. They want to kill me. Now, how does that answer God's question of what are you doing here, Elijah? It doesn't. Elijah has so much going on. He's running for his life. I I get that. But he can't even hear the question that God answers because he's so frantic. Have you been there ever? Or maybe I should ask, are you there right now? Maybe you're thinking as soon as school starts, week, it starts next week, I'm going to be there. And I know I've been there. If I'm not careful, my life gets so busy. Busy with really good things, not bad things. But I sometimes wonder, if God sent me an email, would I even see it in my inbox? And if I happen to open it, would I read it all or skim it and miss something? It happens to the best of us. And I think the key is recognizing it. Knowing when those shifts in our lives are about to happen. You need to know you're headed into a different season so that you can be more intentional in your schedule for listening. And after Elijah answered God, God tells Elijah, go outside and wait for for God to pass. And a lot of people who preach on this message, especially when you just look at this, this small clip, they focus on the silence. And they try to convince us that silence is the only way you're going to hear God's voice. And I do. I think that that you need to unfetter yourself, let some stuff go before you're going to hear God's voice. But I've had people come to me and say, sitting in silence makes my skin crawl. There's no way I can sit in just silence. And if you're sitting there thinking that, you're not listening for God's voice. You're not going to hear it. I don't think that this is necessarily a prescription for how we have to listen to God's voice. I think it's a description of how Elijah encountered God. And think about those phenomenon that he didn't, where he didn't hear God's voice. The wind, the earthquake, and the fire. I think God's powerful enough to come to us in those ways as well. In fact, Moses had a pretty good one-on-one with God in front of a fire. And the Psalms and the Gospels and a lot of the prophetic passages talk about God's voice being like an earthquake and causing the earth to shake. And God speaks to Job in a whirlwind. That's all within God's realm of possibilities. It's just the way that God spoke to Elijah. A minute ago, Megan shared that story of the disciples listening for God. And they too, they were, they were busy. They were trying to save their lives in this storm. They were distracted. So distracted that they didn't even recognize Jesus walking towards them. They think he's a ghost. The only one who maybe is listening a little is Peter. And Peter wants to test Jesus and says, If it's really you, I'll listen to you if you tell me to walk on water. And I love the version she read. Jesus says, well, come on then. And Peter listens. He puts his foot out, steps off the boat. He gets a little scared. Because apparently the storm is still raging around him. But he is walking on water. How cool is that? (laughs) He takes a few steps and he begins to freak out a little bit. And he begins to sink. I think when we encounter God and we listen for God's instructions, it can make us a little bit fearful. It can make us freak. It can make us sink a little. And that's okay. Sometimes you make some room in your schedule to listen for God and God's word in your life. And then you think, no, this can't be, I'm not doing it the right way. This can't be right. So you stop. And you sink a little. But that's okay. Sometimes you begin a new spiritual practice. And then you get busy. And you forget to keep time for that spiritual practice in your life. And you sink a little. But that's okay. Because the key in all of these situations, when you find yourself sinking a little, is to ask God for help. Do what Peter did. Because maybe God will help you, and you'll get to do something as cool as walking on water. Well, maybe not that cool, but but if you do, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I've always kind of wondered what the other disciples were thinking about Peter, and Megan got at this a little bit. You know, are they watching him thinking, what are you doing? Going out of boat in the storm. But then just think what they thought when he actually got to walk on water. I'm sure at that point they were pea green with envy that he got to do that. And I imagine that many of them were wishing that they were the ones who had gotten out of the boat. I think that's a place we can find ourselves also. Sitting there watching someone else in their spiritual practices and thinking, I want to do that. I want to be like that. Or having somebody describe an encounter they've had a particularly important moment in their spiritual life. And you think, "I I want that for myself. It's hard to take that first step off the boat, though. Sometimes you need to ask for help. And I can't think of the best form of flattery than to walk up to someone and say, You seem so deeply spiritual. Tell me what you do to connect with God. Nobody's going to say no to that. That's a great question to ask. You could also ask me or Pastor Tracy. We'd love to help you figure out a more deep, a deeper way for you to connect with God. And it would help us earn our paychecks a little bit if we got to do that. And these times in our lives when we're feeling these shifting times, they're often the best opportunities to eke out that time in your schedule for connecting to God more deliberately. You you know your th- life is about to get busier. So now is the time to fill out fill out that space in your schedule because before you know it if you haven't done it, it's going to be filled with work or school or watching Netflix. It's important to pay attention to those times of shift. It's scary sometimes. Elijah, he was scared to listen to what God's instructions were next. I mean, just look at all he's been through by following God's word so far. But God's not done with him yet. He's got a new assignment. God asked him to anoint new kings over the land. Let's get rid of Jezebel. And then God asks Elijah, did you connect, uh, connect with this, to anoint his own replacement? I'm pretty sure Elijah wasn't expecting to hear that he was pending retirement. And sometimes when we listen for God's word, it's not what we expect. It can seem scary, what we're hearing. And you have to make yourself vulnerable. The thing to remember here is that God was faithful to Elijah, God took care of Elijah, God takes care of God's children. And God's going to take care of you. Amen.